We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Tech Talk is underway an hour later than normal today. We had the Twins rained out on short notice at Port Charlotte against the Rays. Here are the phone numbers, 651-989-9226. Text 81807, that is 81807. Doug joining us via the phone today because of the short notice and the Twins right now. Doug, how you been? Absolutely wonderful, Steve, and I'm glad we got together. Yeah, good news. Uh, Doug, uh, we'll open up those phone lines at 651-989-9226. You can text 81807, that is 81807. If you have question for Doug about your computer, hardware, software, or whatever. Uh, Doug, we, we do get a fair amount of calls, but I, I think this is important to start the program here. If you have Windows 7 or Windows 8, what antivirus should people be running? I really think that the cream of the crop today is malware bytes, M-A-L-W-A-R-E-B-Y-T-E-S. And that's available at malwarebytes.com. The trial version will keep them going for, I believe, 15 days, 14 days, and it's $30 a year. But I think that that's absolutely crucial if we're running Windows 8 or Windows 7. All right, and they should uh, remove any other antivirus and, and go that route. Because the one thing we have talked about in the past, that it is a bad idea to be running more than one antivirus at one time on your computer? Well, you know, in fact, I had a computer in this week that had three of them running. And it's it. But I started shutting them off and uninstalling them, and the speed and performance came right back. Uh, the temperature dropped probably 20 degrees. These things can have a tendency of fighting one another. So it's not really good. Now, even if you've got a big, meaty machine where you might not notice it, that activity is still going on in the background. So that's really good advice. One antivirus malware program really should do it. You could have multiples on as long as there's only one running in resident memory or that starts up automatically with Windows. But that also is a really good tip. One of the other things we haven't brought up is regular computer maintenance. And I don't know if it's even necessary on Windows 10, I guess, having paid attention to the computer that I have at work, I would assume the IT department is taking care of all of that. But what routine maintenance should people run? Is there a software package that can help people uh, keep their computer clean and, and running as quickly as possible? Well, this is really where CCleaner comes in. And some people have a real misconception about CCleaner. They have the idea that it's cleaning viruses and malware, and that's not the case. All computer operating systems will create temp files and uh, updating the cache, updating history files, and CCleaner just goes through and cleans that all out, and it also does a tremendous job on the registry. And I put CCleaner on every Windows computer I get my hands on. 
seven, eight, or ten. Makes no difference. That's just a tremendous, tremendous product. And that's C-C-L-E-A-N-E-R and Piriform, the company that originally created that and Revo Uninstaller, has actually been bought out um, uh, by a vast antivirus. Or, so that's up, but it's still available. Um, I believe you can still get a trial version, and it's just a tremendous, tremendous package. All right, Doug, uh, one of the things uh, we had to do uh, in the old days with computers is run a defrag on the hard drive. Now, we've learned that with the new solid-state drives, you don't need to do that. But is it a good idea if you have one of the old uh, spinning hard drives, and they're still available in computers today, um, is it a good idea to do that defrag from time to time? Yeah, it really is. Um, a disk defrag, and even with solid-state drives, they recommend that you don't do it at all because it creates unnecessary wear. Uh, even with that said, even the SSD drives, I will actually run a defrag maybe once a year. Uh, the, te- the technology is a little different, and the, and the files don't become scattered on an SSD drive. But still, when I first put them in, I will run one. Uh, but on a, on a normal rotary drive, the old-fashioned platter ones, and I can't believe I'm talking old-fashioned with the technology what it was, but this is absolutely vital, and especially with a Windows 10 machine. Uh, they're creating some extra temp files and creating some extra history files. Once we run CCleaner, then we should clean up the disk drive, and that really is just a huge, huge performance increase. Doug, do you think at, at some point in the future new computers will only come with solid-state drives? Are we there yet? I think we're getting close. And, in fact, some computer manufacturers are even beginning to go with solid-state drives and leaving out RAM chips. They're actually running the entire computer off that solid-state drive. I think that that is probably real, real close to our to our future. As the solid-state drive technology it advances and evolves. There may be come a day very soon where a computer won't actually have RAM. They'll be using the solid state drive as partitioned off as RAM and storage. So, yeah, the hardware is getting real interesting. 651-989-9226. 651-989-9226. You can text 81807. That's 81807. Doug, good enough to join us today on short notice, considering we had a Twins rainout. Twins and Ray is scheduled in Port Charlotte. Corey and Danny went on the air at noon. Uh, it was clear they weren't going to be able to get the game in today. As a result... Uh, Doug joining us a little bit later than normal today between 2 and 3 o'clock, but your calls are welcome at 651-989-9226. You can text 81807. That is 81807. Let's go to that text line now. Um, Doug, typically um, all my routers have come from CenturyLink. I've been with CenturyLink uh, for years now. And and have had DSL service that's been upgraded in the neighborhood. We're generally very happy with it. I know a lot of folks have Comcast or or other providers where the routers uh, are. The Wi-Fi router is provided by the internet service provider. But if someone had to go out and buy one, what do you recommend? Boy, you know, my first thought as soon as somebody says that to me, I say, listen, I always always promote that you. It, it's a rental fee, maybe 10 bucks a month. It's well worth it. 
All these companies today are actually updating these routers. And depending upon your Internet service provider, you, if you want to own your own modem slash router, if you want to own it, my advice would be to get a hold of them and get a list of vendors and do some research. They are different between cable and DSL. They're not all performed the same. What a lot of people will do is just use the actual Internet service provider modem, and then they'll shut off the Wi-Fi and use their router on the inside. But truly, it's not necessary anymore. I really believe in sticking to the CenturyLink modem or the Xfinity modem. You're going to have much, much better performance and much less likely to have any configuration issues. However, if they really want to go out, there's a multitude of really good routers out there. All the big names carry nice modems that, and routers that will combine either with DSL or cable. Uh, Netgear, um, probably one of my favorites, D-Link, Linksys. There's just a Trenda. There's just a plethora of equipment out there, but it really is specific to DSL or Comcast cable. So you got to be kind of cautious before you go out to buy. Tech Talk underway. Doug Swinhart in uh, on the phone line today, not in studio, uh, able to join us here on short notice today. He will be in studio, however, next Saturday at our regular time at 1 o'clock. We had the Twins and Rays rained out in Port Charlotte, Florida uh, today. Uh, a couple others from our text line. By the way, our phone line is open at 651-989-9226, 989 9226. Uh, I recently changed my operating system to Linux Mint. Is there something I need to do to load my old software that used to run on Windows? And, and can you do that, or uh, is that tricky? Um, they switched to Linux, did you say? Yep, Linux Mint. Yeah, well, here's the thing. If you have software that's Windows compliant, that cannot be installed on Linux. However... I can find almost any alternative. Sometimes it's better. Sometimes it's missing some of the features. But usually, I can find an alternative that was actually programmed for Linux. Now, in the case of certain Windows programs, you can download and install a Linux program called Play on Linux. And I don't really care for the word play. That indicates that it's just for games, but it's not. And you can actually set up Windows software. Some Windows software will actually run natively within that Play on Linux. So there are ways around that. It can be done. It absolutely can be done. Worst case scenario, you can always download and install and configure VirtualBox from a fine company that we know of as Oracle. And you can install Windows inside Oracle running within the Linux environment and that's probably about as safe as you can run windows and then you can install your software right within a windows environment that's actually being protected from the internet within linux that's pretty fancy but it can be done yeah we get workarounds like that all the time and thank you that was a great text yeah so so it is very doable and linux is a great option no matter uh what what version of linux for older computers and keeping those older computers alive? Well, I actually have two laptops in here right now that were Vista machines. Uh And the first one I turned on took almost four minutes just to bring up the screen. It took another three minutes for the hard drive to settle down. 
Um, I popped a 120 gig SSD drive in there that I bought at Best Buy because I couldn't get over to Micro Center. Paid a little bit more. It was like 28 bucks. Um, not bad. Tough to beat. Uh, I put Linux Lite 3.8 on there. Now it boots in 24 seconds. They got all the bells and whistles. Camera works. Network cable works. Wi-Fi works. It's a great, great way to keep that computer running. Yeah, a good option. By the way, uh, take your time, do your research, and it, it certainly is doable. By the way, Doug's phone number and email a little bit later on in the program. It is 222. Tech Talk, Doug Swinhart. Uh, joining us here on the phone line today, uh, a little bit later than normal because we had that Twins rain out today on very short notice today. They went on the air from Port Charlotte, and uh, Corey and Danny were out the door in about 20 minutes. Uh, so a uh, quick rain out today in Port Charlotte. Uh, Twins tomorrow in Dunedin, no radio. Next radio uh, here on CCO, Twins and Red Sox coming up on Monday from Fort Myers, of course. Sunny in 33 degrees. Let's go to the phone lines right now here on Tag Talk. By the way, our number, 651-989-9226, 651-989-9226. Let's go to David in St. Paul. David, you're on the air. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Doug, can you give us some ideas on uh, what we should look for for external storage? Um, I have a a desktop PC and I want to get some of my documents uh, backed up and off that, uh, off that desktop. Any ideas for us out there? You know, there is just a plethora of external hard drives. Depending upon size, um, you can pick up an external hard drive, one terabit, two terabit, four terabit. Um, I like, um, I'm kind of impartial to the Seagates, uh, anywhere from about 30 bucks and up. Um, if you can afford it, SSD externals, they're a little bit more expensive. But I'll tell you what else I've been doing here because SSDs have been so cheap. I actually buy a, a, a 480 gig solid state drive, an inland, an inland professional at um, Micro Center, and the 480 gig is $49. So if you buy one of those, head back to the back of the store, pick up a five Dollar, I did say five dollar, four dollars and ninety nine cents external case. Put that fifty dollar four hundred and eighty, which is a half a terabyte. Put that four hundred and eighty gig in that external. You've got a great drive, and you've got less than fifty five dollars plus tax into that. Tough, tough, tough to beat. That probably would be the way that I would go. The one thing to remember on that drive, when you put it into a computer the first time after you install it in the external drive enclosure, you must format it. Format it to 32-bit, and it will open up no matter what you plug it in, a Mac, a PC, a Linux computer, and your data will be safe and sound, and that is a robust way to have an external drive at a low, low cost. And thank you for the call. Yeah, David, great idea. We always remind folks each and every week, here on Tech Talk, back up your data, whether you pay someone to do it like Mosey or Carbonite or any of those other outstanding uh, services that will automatically back up your computer, uh, do it on an external hard drive. Uh, if you've got uh, a DVD uh, drive on your computer, uh, burn a DVD in some way, shape, or form, save that data because, Doug, 
Uh, you, you can fix the hardware. You can replace monitors. You can do all of that stuff. But it is really hard to recover data. Uh, if there's a damaged hard drive, you're you're in big trouble. I could not agree more. And and I love it when I get to work with people after they pick up their computer and have them plug in an external drive so we can actually instruct them how to copy just the data. No operating system, none of that stuff that we can replace other places. We go directly after the documents, directly after the pictures, right straight to any kind of tax and accounting records and spreadsheets, whatever it is. And we create folders on the external drive and simply do a copy and a paste from the source to the target. And once people see this and they discover how simple it is, they don't get involved with any of this backup nonsense. Because if you're backing up the whole operating system, first of all, in my opinion, we are wasting Valuable external hard drive space, that's first. And second, believe it or not, even though it's going to be less effort, it's going to take a lot longer for this process to get done. In addition to that, when you go to restore your files, because you've already done it manual, you know exactly where they are. You can pull them out one at a time, 10, 15, 20 at once, and copy them back onto the computer using the same procedure. So I really like people to do these things manual, and generally, once they do it on an external hard drive, then all of a sudden it becomes easier at the same time to push them up to their Google Drive or whatever they're using for external cloud storage. Three copies is the key. One working copy, one off the computer external hard drive, and one up in the clouds, and then you're good to go. If you got a fourth, so be it. It's better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. 227 here at CCO to the phone lines we go. Todd from Oak Grove, you're on Tech Talk. Hello. Hello. Hey, Todd. Yes, sir. Hey, enjoy your show. I've got a question. I've got Xfinity uh, in-house Wi-Fi, and I'm supposed to have 150 megabyte service. When I do an Xfinity speed test, my download speed is like 15 megabytes, and my upload speed is around 6. Is there a problem with that, or is that how it's supposed to be? Uh, you need to, we need to kick it up. I'd like to take a look at that remotely. Um, if you are running wire, Wi-Fi, it's very, very possible that your hardware will not go any faster than that, but I think that that would be a really, really old machine. When we test our internet speed, I generally like to be cabled at least a couple of times. And keep in mind with internet speeds, does not do Comcast, Xfinity, or CenturyLink one bit of good to throttle your bandwidth. It's not like they're cheating on anything, because let's face it, if we think about this realistically, when a packet hits their servers, the faster it gets there and the faster they deliver the content to you, the less resources they're taking on their end. So Comcast wants your Internet speed as fast as possible, and so does CenturyLink. What you got going on, there's something happening here. Uh, an Xfinity router, that I, I am just amazed at the, at the type of speed that these things get once you get that pipe opened up and pushing it. Um, give me a call next week, and we'll connect up directly, and we'll do some of my tests. We'll make sure that we're not using a speed test that's in, incorporating flash. 
Um, and we'll see exactly what you're getting, and we'll go from there. And thank you so much for the call. All right, quick break. We'll have more with Doug coming up in a moment. It is Tech Talk a little later than normal. We had uh, Twins rain delay. Uh, Twins and Ray is in Port Charlotte today. Uh, we went on the air at noon. Uh, they pulled the pin on the game at about 2.20 or so. And uh, Doug, good enough to join us here between 2 and 3 o'clock today. We'll get started on a sports Saturday at our normal time at 3 o'clock here on this Saturday afternoon. Uh, with Steve, Eric, and Jonathan. We have a state champion crowned. Miniota uh, beat Goodhue 40-31 to to claim the 1A title. Already underway, the 2A title game between Caledonia and Minnehaha Academy. It is championship Saturday over at Williams Arena. 2.30. We'll have the weather in a moment. It is 2.35 on a Saturday. Twins and Rays rained out. By the way, Twins season opener. The home opener at Target Field coming up uh, one week from Thursday already. And we have a chance for you to win tickets to that home opener with Henry Lake. Weeknights after 9 here on CCO. Uh, and the first 30,000 fans will receive a Twins puffer vest courtesy of your local Northland Ford dealers. Go to twinsbayspaulcom slash tickets. So tune in all week to Henry. And the leg show here on the CCO, uh, typically uh, between 9 and 1. Uh, there's some Timberwolves games this week, so uh, a little bit later on Tuesday night, a little bit later on Thursday night, here on the home of the Timberwolves and Twins. News Talk, 830 WCCO. Doug is back. Uh, we've got a lot of calls. We've got a lot of texts, as always, on the program today. Uh, thanks so much uh, for tuning in and uh, joining us today. Once again, uh, the Twins were rained out uh, down in Florida today. Let's go to the text line here real quick at CCO. Um, I have a laptop with an i5 processor, 8 gigs of RAM, and Windows 7 Pro. Uh, Should I upgrade to Windows 10? Should I put in a solid-state drive? If so, what size? That is really a nice computer. If that were my computer, I absolutely would get a solid-state drive. I would do a dual boot with Windows 7 Pro and Linux. I actually prefer Windows 7, especially Windows 7 Pro over 10. It's not near as evasive. You don't have to install SpyBot Active Beacon. And there's a lot of controversy today about what Microsoft is doing with the information that they're retrieving from Windows 10 users. So I, I kind of tend towards 7. But, again, I have to admit, Steve, I am biased. But that's a nice computer. I think this particular individual, once they got playing with Linux, would just fall in love. And that machine, I absolutely would put Linux Mint on, and you'd have all the bells and whistles, and it would just be a tremendous computer. That's a great text. Thank you so much. All right. And is is it something a do-it-yourselfer could do, or uh, should you get help putting in that hard drive and making those changes? You know, on something like this, it really kind of depends on the machine. It's very, very possible that if this computer is a clean computer and you ran uh, OzLogic to do the disk defrag and the reorganization of the files, and you could possibly do a disk mirror to Samsung, 
using the Samsung migration tool, then put that drive in and attempt to boot into Linux to create a dual boot. And if that worked, that would be successful. A person could do it on their own. They're going to know right away without damaging the Windows portion once they put in Linux to boot the install. The install will come up with a screen and ask if you want to install Linux next to Windows. And if it's not able to do so because of whatever configuration in the BIOS, it will say erase everything. And at that point, you're going to want to stop. But remember now, you've already done the drive mirror. So your original drive is still completely intact. I think that to answer that question, this would actually be left up to the individual. If they felt comfortable and they understood this path or file pathing, and a little bit of knowledge with partitions, this could be done by themselves without a whole lot of problem. More research than actual time to deliver the end result. Great, great text again. All right, quick follow-up on the Windows 7 versus Windows 10. This person said they're considering uh, or uh, migrating to Windows 10. You you would stay put with Windows 7 Pro, huh? And, and why is that? Um, there's several websites now that have been tracking what Microsoft does, and people don't realize this, but when we took the free version of Windows 10 and on a new computer when Windows 10 comes in the agreement, we're actually giving Microsoft permission to market our data. And they don't target us individually, but they are actually delivering marketing data to as many as 3,000 different servers. Well, in my opinion, this is just sucking up bandwidth all over. And there are a lot of privacy concerns, I think, in Windows 10 that really shouldn't be the thing. Plus, it's hard to control updates. And as we move forward, it's going to become even more difficult to control these updates. Uh, Microsoft, as a part of their licensing, says you will take the feature updates twice a year and any other maintenance and security updates that we deem possible, what we deem to be necessary. So there's really, it's difficult to shut that off and take control of that. I just prefer Windows 7. I think it's a mature operating system. Um, I can't find a software that runs on 10 that won't run on 7. I think it, once it's configured properly and you get this thing all scaled down and get rid of all the junk and get it all cleaned up, run, 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 run. And if you have to have Windows, it's nice to have a partition. But again, I'm going to encourage nearly everybody to really start to take a look and scrutinize starting to use Linux. Linux distributions are beautiful. Linux Lite, Linux Mint are great distributions to start with. Now, find an old machine to practice with. You definitely, once you start catching on to it, I'm quite certain you'll agree. And thank you again for the text. Great text. Yeah. Uh, outstanding 81807, 81807 is our text line. That's good for all our programs. Uh, from Dave Lee in the morning news, uh, of course, Corey Heppola, Chad Hartman, Paul and Jordana, Mike Max, Henry Lake, all our programs on the weekend, 81807. It's your link to the studio. Please text when you can do it safely. And, of course, the phone number, 651 989 9226. That's 651 989 
888-900-9226 is our phone number. Right out of the gate, we talked about antivirus. If you're running Windows 7 or Windows 8, what antivirus should you be using? A follow-up to that is, how do you know if you're running two antivirus systems? Where do you look? And if so, how do I get rid of one of them? Yeah, you know, that also is a tremendous text. A lot of the manufacturers have partnered up with different antivirus and they will actually implant it so it's kind of running in the background even after you remove it. The only way to actually tell is if you use CCleaner, you can actually look at the Windows services in CCleaner and you look for the name, uh, Semantic, uh, Norton, McAfee, uh, whatever it might be, and sometimes you can just stop the service, disable it, and you don't have to remove it in case it, you don't need it. Uh, but that's probably the, the, the best way is under Windows services. Also, you should be able to locate anything that's running underneath control panel at remove programs. And that's 7, 8, or 10. It should show up, but not always. But 90% of the time, you can just run a normal uninstall and get rid of it. But make absolutely certain you've got a new one to put on if you're bare. I actually tell people if you're changing antivirus, download the new executable setup file, then remove the old one, reboot your computer, and before you do anything, start to install the new one. I don't think that in a Windows environment, we should ever be on the Internet for anything without some type of antivirus and anti-malware protection running before we actually connect. And that would be my advice. Doug Swinehart joining us here. The phone number is 651-989-9226. You can text 81807. That's 81807 here at CCO. From our text line, uh, tell us more about those Wi-Fi extenders. I know we brought them up on the program before, Doug. Uh, from the text line, I'd like to get Wi-Fi in my garage, and it's about 200 yards away. Would would an extender work, or do I need to come up with some sort of other idea? Uh, 200 yards? You're, you're, you're looking at um, a site-to-site wireless. And some of that equipment, the prices are dropping, but that's a good long stretch. Uh, that That's going to take something, a little bit of research. I would actually like to go out and take a look at the site and see what we could find for equipment. It's doable, uh, but here again, that's that's a long, long stretch. Most Wi-Fi, when we put in uh, wireless in a house, most routers will talk in terms of 300 feet, and you can stretch that to 400 feet. But to go that distance, that was good. That's going to take some outside antennas and site-to-site communication. Yeah, that that's that's a haul. That that garage is a long way from the house. But yeah. the extenders really do work wonders. Um, I, I brought it up before. We we bought that Belkin uh, a number of years ago, and it, it still works and works and works. And our Wi-Fi. Now, granted, I don't I don't have a big house. It's a '50s style ranch, but it, it works really well. We have the old brick fireplace up and down, and um, stucco siding, and it works pretty well. Yeah, you know, these. I don't think that I've ever had one go bad. I, I'm sure it's happened somewhere to yeah. somebody. But once you get these things set up, there's really no pressure on them. They're just bouncing the, the circuit. And it isn't always about distance. 
You know, wireless technology by no means is a perfect science. Um, we had jobs in, um, in Stillwater where some of these buildings had 18-inch thick brick down in the basement, and they had gone in and remodeled these buildings and turned them into office buildings. So now you've got an office with Wi-Fi right next door, and you, you can't communicate through that rock. And you'd actually have to bring the wireless out in the hallway and actually run extenders down in between each office to make certain that the people could get connected. And even with that extra expense, it was less money than trying to cable. Can you imagine drilling through a hole through an 18-inch stone to put a cable through? So it made sense to use the extenders in bad, bad, harsh environments. So a lot of times it ain't just distance, it's obstructions. So yeah, it's a, it's a good thing to really take a look and, and monitor what kind of thing you got going on. Sometimes just moving the router two, three, four, five, eight feet will make a difference. It's, um, it's, it's a strange, strange science, and I don't think anybody has it perfected to this point. But it's getting better and better every day. Doug Swenhart joining us. It is Tech Talk a little bit later than normal. If you're tuning in for the Twins, they got rained out in Port Charlotte. They were trying to play the Rays in a Grapefruit League game, but the rain would not go away. Our next Twins from Florida comes up on Monday. Twins and Red Sox beginning at high noon here on the radio home of the Twins News Talk, 830-WCCO. Uh, Doug, a little bit uh, of a follow-up, and this is a really good text and a good point. Uh, if people are trying to get Internet out in the garage, they may want to just try using a hotspot uh, on their cellular network. I, I've used these with success before. Uh, the hotspot that I have on my phone, if you're getting a cellular signal, hotspots are a good way to go if you're in a remote spot. You know, this is interesting that you bring this up. I, I, it, it isn't too long ago. People would be talking about hotspots. They'd say, no, no, no. Today, it's ready. Uh, some of the hotspots that people are carrying around with a little device that's two inches wide, um, probably less than a half an inch thick, um, three inches in depth, it, it just you put them in your pocket. They're about the size of a wallet. Pull that baby out, and I can't believe how well they work. And depending upon your provider, some of them will kick right up. And this, by the way, Steve, talking about 5G, if you have a cell phone with 5G and a hotspot, I think you're going to be able to go anywhere that you've got 5G and probably experience Internet almost as good as in your house. And as they improve on that technology, I think this is going to be a real game changer. And you are correct. Those hotspots, they're tremendous, tremendous value. Yeah, and it's one of the things where I've used these with my Chromebook out and about. I've used it at the fair. I'll typically use the hotspot that's just available on my iPhone, and that's more than enough to drive what I need to do. And generally, the video's pretty good. Now, granted, you need a good cellular signal. You know, if you're getting just one bar, you're going to have trouble. But, you know, two bars, three bars for sure, you're going to be in really good shape uh, if you have that. Now, remember, you're using cellular data and I don't want to spend people's money, but uh, you, you can gobble up a lot of data in a hurry going that route. But it is an option. Oh, you can. And, and here's the thing, too. Uh, we should mention to people that that's a good 
a good scenario to be thinking about when you're using this. You may want to contact your your cellular provider and say, listen, how much data can I have per month? How do I know when I'm getting close? What's my charge if I happen to go over? Uh, these are things that I think will make your life much more pleasant by using those hotspots. And I am absolutely certain several of them have an affordable, unlimited data plan. I, they're getting there. This, this business is fascinating to watch. I'm loving to see what's going to happen with the cell, cell phones over the next couple of years. And I don't know if you've heard, Steve, but they're already, they're already beta testing 6G. And I, it's beyond my comprehension to see where we're going to go with speeds with that. Now, keep in mind that the distance that you can go with these faster speeds generally is reduced. AT&T, Sprint, and Verizon, they're all talking about compressing the data and sending the, the data out faster, which is supposed to actually extend the distance. This is going to be some interesting technology without question. All right, Doug, quick break. We'll come back. We'll close it out. We have more texts at 81807. Time to squeeze in a phone call or two, if you will. Uh, the phone number there is 651-989-9226. You can text 81807. Tech Talk with Doug continues. We have all the news and weather coming up at 3. Welcome back, Tech Talk. Doug Swinhart, Doug, good enough to join us via the phone today on short notice. We had a Twins-Rays Grapefruit League game rained out today. Corey and Danny went on the air by about 12.20. It was pretty clear they weren't going to play. Uh, so uh, Doug was able to join us a little bit later than normal today. He'll be in at his normal time uh, next Saturday uh, between 1 and 2 o'clock here on CCO. Doug, let's go to uh, the text line again. Uh Inherited a very lightly loose HP mini laptop. Uh, It's an older version of Windows. And thinking about uh, changing it over to Linux, Uh, what do you you think about that? Is it a good candidate? It it may be. I would actually have to know the exact model number. Uh, Get a hold of a service manual from, from HP. It's very possible you could put a solid state drive in there as well. Uh, but, it, yeah, this equipment, <laughs> it, we can always find something that will, some distribution of Linux will run, no matter, even if it's a 512-meg RAM machine. Uh, if it's way old, solid-state drive may not work because it's the old IDE connector and not the SATA connector. But if it's within the realm of a SATA, huh, then you'd definitely be wanting to put in a solid-state drive and, Pop that baby up and rock and roll. That would be a great candidate, to, at least to take a look at for sure. Doug, when uh, formatting it, it says uh, solid-state drives uh, to 32-bit, do you always do that, or does it depend if, if, if you have a 64-bit computer? Uh, if you could clear that up, there was a, big, a bit of confusion on that. Well, this doesn't have anything to do with 32-bit or 64-bit um, operating system. Uh, what, what I'm talking about is the 32-bit file allocation table. And uh, you have a 32-bit FAT or perhaps um, um, uh, a Windows NT, and then, of course, Linux has a, a separate format, but you nice. connect to all of them. But you want a 32-bit FAT, file allocation table. 
And so when you go to format that, it will actually ask you what, how you want those tracks sectored. And you want that in a 32-bit. But that has nothing to do with the operating system. It's not going to change your operating system. This is strictly how the files are laid out, how the tracks are laid out, so the files can be saved on those tracks. And that's usually the safest and the most robust way to do an external drive. Doug, question about, uh, well, it doesn't look like we're going to have enough time uh, to get to any more on the text line. We apologize at 81807. But, Doug, I know your plans are to be in studio next Saturday at 1. Absolutely. All right, uh, Doug, your phone number and email. Thank you so much. 651-552-9543. And, of course, WCCOTech.com, W-C-C-O-T-E-C-H.com, 651-552-9543. And, Steve, thank you for having me on at such late notice. Oh, and thank you for being on the program today with that Twins and Rays rain out. A lot of great calls, a lot of great texts on the program. We'll see you in studio next Saturday at 1 here on CCO. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.